Hello and welcome to the Nappy Natters podcast brought to you by Asda Little Angels. This is the show about the thrills and spills of parenthood and the whirlwind of emotions experienced during bump, birth and beyond. The laughs, the tears, the excitement, the fears. I'm your host, Alison Perry, and on this episode, I'll be chatting with Lorna Hayward and Nicola Ludlam-Rain about pregnancy and preparing for parenthood. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Uh, Nicola, do you want to kick off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so feel free to call me Nick. I'm a first-time mummy. I gave birth in November to my baby, Henry. I'm also a dietitian, and on Instagram, I post about everything to do with pregnancy, birth and beyond at Mummy Nutrition. And I've got my blog, mummynutrition.com, where I just share all the tips and tricks that I've learned, basically. I love how tip-heavy your Instagram is. It's just (laughs) every time I, I look at a post, I feel like I'm learning something. It's so good. <laughs> it's thanks to my followers, though. So I think I get as much as I give. Each post takes me about two hours to write. Wow. So, yeah, it's very time consuming, but I love it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. Great that you're getting something out of it as well. Yeah. Lorna, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm Lorna Hayward, a.k.a. Mrs. H. Hayward on Instagram. Um, I've just had my third baby, Reggie, a boy. And I have two little ladies, Elsie and Marnie. Um, anyone who follows me probably would have known from my... I, basically, everyone's here for Marnie. It's okay. I've kind of got over it now. Um, and she's a bit of a character, isn't she, Marnie? She's a force to be reckoned with. Um, and I host a night for mums called Piz Up. Great. Uh, Nicola, how was pregnancy for you? Did you love it? Did you tolerate it? Did you hate it? I think I was really lucky. In comparison to my friends who have been sick, I wasn't sick once, so I, I had a really good time. The only thing that I think put a slight dampener on it was I always felt a little bit anxious because was the baby all right? That's what I used to wake up with all the time. So I really wish that I could have walked around with a little monitor on, just checking that he was okay. But overall, yeah, I was tired in trimester one, energy levels back in trimester two, and then just a bit achy in trimester three. So overall good. It was just the anxiety that was just the slight dampener. It's a horrible thing, anxiety, though, isn't it? Because it really feels like, even though your rational mind knows Mm. everything's probably okay, It just, you know, it can keep you up at night, can't it? It can do. And I would say if anybody is feeling anxious, it's fine to check in with your midwife because I did take myself to hospital with reduced movements. And of course, within 60 seconds of being hooked up, the baby started kicking and I was really apologetic. But the midwife said, no, 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 we'd much rather you come in and and get checked out rather than stay at home worrying. Why do we do that apologetic thing, though? It's it's, it's really terrible, isn't it? How we're like almost, I'm so sorry for Mm -hmm. taking up your time. And actually, they want to reassure us and check us over and make sure that we're okay don't they yeah because all of a sudden you're responsible for this being so i just wanted to do the best for yeah my unborn child basically of course you did lorna how did you find pregnancy well um you've done it three times haven't you yeah i have and i think i'm older my body feels slightly more battered um and i get quite sick so it's like having, I always said, it's like having a hangover without having gone to the party <laughs> because you'd kind of crave all the um, bad foods, all the beige foods. You know, you're tired, you're on the sofa feeling nauseous. Um, you're not selling this to anyone right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, it did. I did come out of that around, I think with all of mine, around 15 weeks or so. But it's those first three months that I find really hard because mm. everyone tends to 
keep it so on the down low. And actually, mm. those three months are the toughest for me. Whereas with my third, maybe with experience, I was I told anybody because yeah. actually, from my point of view, if anything was to have happened, um, I kind of needed that support and I needed that mm. conversation to already be out there rather than have to tell everyone, oh, this is what's happened, and you know, I've been. I've been kind of in silence for three months. so It's such a personal decision though, isn't it? Because for some people, they really feel like they've got to keep it to themselves during the mm. first trimester. Um, and then other people, like you say, feel like, well, if anything did go wrong, I would want that support. I would want to be telling people. And it's kind yeah. of like a weird conversation to be having. Yeah, I was pregnant, I'm not now. Um, but that feeling that you get once you come through that first trimester and the sickness is gone, oh, isn't that the best feeling is. ever? And, and then you wonder, you're like, this is what feeling normal feels yeah. like. You forget, it, don't yeah. you? You're just like, yeah. oh my, wow, that, yeah, it's bonkers. But, it's, like, um, it's like a weird sub-existence because you really feel like you're almost this kind of grey, shallow being yeah. walking around half existing. Mm. In like a daze of disco, salt and vinegar crisps. And then you, and then you blossom and you're like... Oh, I'm alive yeah. again. In trimester one, it was the level of exhaustion. Mm. And even though I am a dietitian, so I was eating every two hours, I was eating Nutella wraps, jam sandwiches, pizza, garlic bread, any single carb. Yeah. And, and I think that my husband thought that I was putting it on. Like I was like laid on the sofa after work, which is so <laughs> not like me. Um, but it does take over. Mm. I actually told my family when I was 10 weeks, just because I was going out for my sister's 30th and I wasn't drinking. Yeah. And I didn't want her to That's think always I was being a, a spoil for me. sport. Yeah. Always a sign. Lorna's not drinking. <laughs> She's up the duff. <laughs> but for you, Nicola, that must have been kind of weird to be a nutritionist and yet to be kind of stuffing your face with all of this, you know, not unhealthy stuff, but it wasn't balanced. You weren't eating a balanced diet. Mm, it lasted about three or four weeks and all all of a sudden I felt regret for when I do do my maternity clinic saying to all these women oh you know eat x y and z and actually all you all you're craving is energy and I just basically fed my body what I wanted to eat and knew it wasn't going to be forever I knew that if I ate every two hours I'd keep the nausea at bay so I just went with it and yet after three or four weeks I upped my game a bit I went to almost like potatoes and sandwiches with maybe nut butter instead of jam so I tried to go down the healthy route and I curb back the garlic bread and pizza a little bit after tea one. <laughs> is there anything one. is there anything that you still can't eat now because it reminds you of for, for me it's mm. mini cheddars. Oh, really? You know those little biscuits. Yeah, oh god. I yeah, ate I so many of those. But yeah. now I can't really eat them because it reminds me of the first trimester and feeling really dodgy. I'm not craving Nutella wraps anymore. They were really nice, though, at the time. Um, yeah, it was just all the carbs, basically. And I still do love my carbs now, but I can I can go for three hours without eating before it was like one to two hours. Mm. I remember, oh, if anyone said to me, have you had a ginger biscuit? <laughs> oh, yeah. Be like, oh, seriously, no. And so uh, even with my third pregnancy, I was like, if anyone says ginger to me, just don't say ginger, whatever yeah. you do. Yeah. But yeah, I remember even now that smell of kind of, a ginger, I think I had these ginger like sweet things. Yes, those little jelly sweets. Yeah. What were they called? I can't remember, I can't remember. but I've seen them. Yeah. I've keep, had them. keep a pack of them in your bag. <laughs> I, no, it doesn't help. But yeah, I was, uh, and I ate peanut butter like it was going out of like business. Oh, really? And, and I'm still there. 
Yeah. Still eating the peanut oh, yeah. butter. I was so upset. I was so worried that I was going to go off it. And I love a peanut butter on crumpet. Still there. Few, few. Nicola, did you, um, how did you find it with your body changing? So you exercise a lot. Um, you know, you're, you're very fit. Did you struggle with your fitness levels going down, with your energy levels going down when you were pregnant? I think before I fell pregnant, I was under this premise that as soon as you get pregnant, you've got an eight-month bump. So I was almost a little bit disappointed to realise that actually when you're pregnant, you don't look pregnant at all, certainly for for a good few weeks. With regards to fitness, I massively listened to my body. So in trimester one, if I was tired, I would skip a workout. Um, if, if I felt a twinge, I would do an alternate exercise. And then in trimester two, I avoid doing any exercises on my back. Definitely didn't do any HIT, which is high intensity interval training, because I was very conscious of I didn't want to overheat. Um, I followed trimester two workouts on YouTube. And then in trimester three, that was really when like the weights went, the workouts kind of went. I took my Fitbit off um, and I just did gentle walking because if I walk too much I'd get pelvic pain so really for me it was all about listening to my body being sensible um, and just knowing that I was growing a baby so it was all about the baby for me and less about me and my body and my fitness levels but I definitely wanted to keep my fitness up in order to try and prevent a c-section as much as possible really. I'm tired just just listening to you talking about your pregnancy <laughs> workouts. You do you did more during pregnancy than I think I've probably done since my twenties. Um, Lorna, how about you? Did you did you struggle with the whole like, your body changing and because it, it's quite a tricky thing to kind of get your head around, even though you know that you're growing a human yeah. and that your body's doing this amazing thing. A lot of people do struggle with it. Yeah, and I think again it comes back to those first few months of you know I, I never ever with any of my pregnancies popped you know I never had like a pop little belly I kind of just sort of spread 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 wide um and then I just and then I think it was like I was just waiting for this bump and then that would make me feel more confident to be like mm. oh I'm actually pregnant um but yeah I think again my my first pregnancy I was you know working up in Soho I was five days a week I went to the gym at my lunch breaks I was doing spinning classes and during the pregnancy until not eight months I did body pump wow yeah and full-on aerobics like there was loads of us doing it and we all must have fallen pregnant around the same time these girls I met in this gym class um and then I've not done the exercise since well in in the interest of balance during my both my pregnancies, I think I probably just stayed on the sofa for the entire nine yeah. months. So just well, in case anyone, in case excellent. anyone's listening and feels <laughs> yeah. like you know they're pregnant and they feel like but they by, should be by getting pregnancy out there. too. There was a I think I did maybe two gym classes and then this pregnancy, absolutely nothing. But I mean I had I had fairly kind of sciatica with Marnie my second pregnancy and I had um, really bad uh, SPD with uh, Reggie. So mm. I'm older. My body took you know. I think more of a battering. I've had three sections. So there was a lot to kind of contend with, I think. And just, I didn't have the time mm. this time. Just for the record, though, you are like, what are you, mid 30s? You keep talking about yourself as if, as if you're like really old, <laughs> like you're a genuine mother. I'm 98. <laughs> no, I'm 38. Okay. 38. So you're not, you're not exactly, no, you know, no, collecting not your pension just but I yet. Still, I still, I think it's just, I do think it's kind of the, the pregnancies and the births that I had did take quite a toll yeah, on my body. Of course it does. Yeah. Of course. Um, now, when you were pregnant, did you feel like you... I mean, you, you were being offered loads of advice about ginger biscuits. Yeah, and yeah. 
do you feel like you were bombarded with advice everywhere you went or do you think that you were kind of shielded a little bit from that I think so. I think every time I put out a story or something, I would be inundated like 20, 30 DMs. On Instagram um, is this? Yeah, on Instagram. I did like the two books, though, that I referred to we're speaking about before, Clemmie Hooper, How to Grow Baby, and then the Positive Birth Book. So uh, they would be my go-to resources. Um, I think you are almost given advice. As soon as you've got a bump, people just want to tell you X, Y, and Z. I was almost in denial that there was going to be a baby at the end of it. So I almost ignored any baby advice and I just took snippets of what I wanted. And then when I got into hypnobirthing, hypnobirthing teaches you to ignore all anything bad to do with birth. So I basically just shut it out, maybe naively. Um, and I was just, I think, in a, in a little bubble of, mm. of a lovely pregnancy. Um, do you so think that helped with you? It. It did massively. I think I was in denial. Every time someone would say to me, oh, childbirth is painful, I'd think in my head, she obviously wasn't breathing correctly. I'm just going to breathe this baby out. And to a degree, breathing is helped me hugely during the birth. However, I was in, I was just in denial, but denial got me through. So I That's wouldn't good. change it. It's funny, though. I'm in such kind of a quandary about whether it's better to be pregnant to just have all that positivity around you like you're talking about mm. or whether it's good to have people saying this is the worst case scenario like I, I honestly don't know mm. I think maybe we're all just different and we all respond differently yeah yeah absolutely I think it's just such a personal um thing that mm. and and changes each time because like you know experience hindsight with my three I managed Reggie's or my pregnancy and Reggie's birth so differently to the girls because of my experience I had with them and the things that I'd heard. And, and I think you can blinker stuff out slightly more, um, you know, second or third time, just because I think in, in the first instance, everyone loves to kind of tell you a horror story or mm. or tell you how, you know, they did breathe their baby out or anything else. And you're like, well, what if I can't? Mm. Whereas now I just know that, you know, no, no one knows what path you're going to be given until, you know, things start to happen later on in the, in the pregnancy. And I think you've just got to kind of manage it as best you can really yeah you're so right and I think you've got to remember that every birth is unique mm. yes no one mm-hmm. has the same birth yeah no and so it almost doesn't matter whether somebody mm-hmm. had the worst experience ever yeah. or just you know breathe the baby out and oh baby there you are um because you're not going to have either of those experiences no I think you're right I mean at one point I was even emailing my consultant asking for the percentage chances of having a c-section because because I was born by c-section so I was trying to gather all this information and actually they just said look you're either going to have one or not Mm. so I think you're right every single pregnancy and birth is unique so you just got to roll with it and and do do the best you can yeah for my in my second pregnancy I had twins and I was told very early on that it would be a c-section and um, I was almost relieved mm. because mm. I had had um, a natural birth with my first and hadn't loved it. Mm. It wasn't, you know, it didn't go down on my list of top 10 experiences yeah. that I want to relive. <laughs> um, and so I was almost a little bit like, only because I was relieved because it was going to be different. Mm. And I think sometimes you need it just to be different yes. to what's happened before. Not better, not worse, just not the same. Mm. So it's, yeah. Yeah, I should really take that back, the risk of having a C-section. Sometimes C-sections are... um Obviously, that they save lives. But from my point of view, I'm such a planner. I just wanted to know, okay, like what are the likelihood of this, likelihood of that, so I could get it in my head. Um, but you can't plan. You can't mm. plan well, you it. Can with a C-section. Well, that's why I had so a plan good. section. Yeah, <laughs> because you you know exactly when it's going to happen, and you've got it in the diary, and you know yeah. what time you're going in. <laughs> I think that's why everyone was like, "Oh, you're going to find out what you're having because you've got two girls." 
And I was like, do you know what? I don't want to know for me personally that, you know, on the, this day, at this time, on this day, I'm having a boy. Or So I love that kind of uncertainty of not knowing the sex. Mm. But planning, you know, one thing for me based on two traumatic births was having control and having control over a calm, um, gentle section. And to be able mm. to in the end, work towards what I had. I never, ever thought I would kind of experience like elation from a birth. I'd always heard about these sort of births that I presumed I would hopefully have. And naively, again, I guess that's what I was hoping I worked so hard towards and I didn't twice. Um, So to have a sort of gentle, calm, planned section and feel like so elated by it all I just was kind of blown away by that really it's crazy though isn't it how much of a sense of failure we can have if we have a birth that doesn't live up mm. to our expectations well especially mm. when they stamp failure to progress over your like maternity notes twice and you're you know there's such negative connotations to those words mm. um, you know and I, I still haven't really ever bearing in mind you know how much I love writing and the blog I've never written about the girl's birth because they just feel so big and they feel so kind of it taken such a long time to process and actually probably to have another baby and another birth um, planned the way that I did it's taken that to kind of get over them I think. Did you ever go for a birth debrief? Yes they're really good I, I highly recommend anybody listening to uh, speak to their midwife team or their health visitor because it's something that a lot of hospitals offer mm-hmm. and you can go along mm-hmm. and you can just uh, talk through all your notes and it can be really helpful can't it in yeah it was processing actually. what's happened why decisions were made because um, a lot of it you know you can't remember no. um and in fact I did have two meetings I had like after both the girls I had uh, hospital meetings and then before Reggie I met with um uh, my friend Becca, who runs a mother place, and um, her and her dad, who is a re- an ob- he's a retired obstetrician, um, but they kind of spoke through both of my births, and it was just like this cathartic process where he was there to supply knowledge from a medical point of view. Um, you know, Becca was there because it's kind of what she does, and she knows the right questions to ask, and it felt like such a nice freeing experience. Mm. Despite them not being at my hospital, he knew kind of the background to um, the kind of births I had, and I think it's just a nice process to sort of shake that off, if you know what I mean, because so much happens and you can't remember it. Um, so yeah, I would say that's a really nice process to do if you're if you have had a traumatic birth, yeah. and you want to kind of lay that sort of stuff to rest to have a positive experience next time round. I had every intention of going for debrief. I haven't as yet. But my main thing was I felt like a failure because I was pushing for two and a half hours. And I'd read these stories of, oh, I pushed for 45 minutes or in three minutes it came out. And I was like, what did I do wrong? And I kept saying to my husband, I just want to do it again. I want to do it again because all I could remember was about 10 minutes of this pushing phase that took two and a half hours. Um, So I think I will go back for a debrief. Um, But it was just the failure that I felt for several weeks afterwards thinking, what didn't I do right? Yeah, Um, two and a half hours really isn't a long time. Ah, yeah. So pushing for two and a half hours. All my face was um, red and blotchy because I'd burst every single blood vessel. 
in my face. Gosh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how you, you know, you describe that and we go, and, and yet we're still like, we're such failures. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, God, give yourself a break, woman, honestly. It's not good. Um, and it's never too late to go back for a breath debrief. <laughs> I had one eight years after mm. having my daughter. Um, I had it when I was pregnant with my twins because I really felt like, I, even though I knew I was having a C-section, I still wanted to kind of lay it to rest mm. a bit and... Mm to kind of feel okay with what had happened eight years earlier. So exactly the same as me. It's kind of like, okay, turn the new page, you know, lay that bit to rest. Next chapter. Yeah. Feels quite, yeah, cathartic, I think. Um, so other preparations that um, you girls did for uh, ahead of births, things like, um, you know, buying things for the baby, organising a nursery, stocking up on nappies and wipes and all the kit you need. Mm. How organised were you? After the 20-week scan, that was when I just went into full bloom. It was nursery was my new project. Anything with a woodland animal theme, I would buy it. I was really into buying pillowcases. Then I did a haul um, at a big department store. I won't mention names, but I had all the muslins. And I just went into overdrive after 20 weeks. However, I was in denial that my baby was going to come early. So I didn't pack the bags until I was 38 weeks pregnant. Wow. Because I thought, if I don't pack the bags, it won't come. I thought packing the bags meant the baby was imminently. So I That's a biological thing, you know. If you don't pack your oh. bag, the baby doesn't come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I had in my head. Um, but other prep, I was just, I was moisturising morning and night. So I'd moisturise my belly in the morning. I'd put oil on at night. And that was my right. I'm taking care of me and then my little nurseries for, for my baby. And I loved it in there. That's so nice that you had like things you were doing for you, things you were doing for the baby, but you were just ignoring the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the hospital bag, wasn't yeah. sitting there unpacked in the corner. <laughs> yeah, and I did pack it. Well, I had a clinic at 39 weeks pregnant, so I was like, I have to get to this clinic, and then I started getting things together. So after 39 weeks, and then he came at 40 plus five, so I wasn't, I was okay. Yeah, you were fine. I was lucky. Yeah. A bit of time on your side. How about you, Lorna? Um, I was quite, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very organised by nature anyway. Like there's always, yeah, that I kind of like order and 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 I think maybe again with with Reggie, like you know, I needed that as well. I also knew when he was coming, yeah, but I didn't tell anybody. So apart from what well, Jamie knew, that would be weird. Um, <laughs> guess what? Today's the day. We're just gonna pop out for a coffee. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, immediate family news. So I kind of liked knowing what I was planning for in that sense. And I, and I did I did kind of get quite organised with the nursery, which I always say this, it's quite funny, from, from my perspective anyway, because I know some babies are in their nurseries from, you know, the first week back. But it's like we make all this massive fuss over a nursery and it's like mm. just tumbleweed, like yeah. ra- runs around the nursery for the first six months because no one sleeps in there. Yeah, you, it looks really nice. You yeah. change a few nappies in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, oh, this is your nursery. Let's go back up to our room. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I was fairly organised, actually. I quite like that side of it. I seem to remember, actually, because Reggie, I think, is a few weeks younger than my yeah, twin babies. Yeah, we were all babies. doing things. Um, so was he born in November 2018? Yes. Yeah. My twins were born in October 2018. And I did get a little bit of a panic on because I follow you on Instagram, obviously. And <laughs> um, you posted something about all the, I think you laid out the contents of your hospital bag yes. you packed. Yeah. And I got a slight panic on because <laughs> yeah. I hadn't done mine yet. And I knew my babies were coming before oh, Reggie was coming. <laughs> I think, yeah, my sister basically, she's a midwife and she created me way back with Elsie 
the ultimate kind of Lorna hospital bag. So the things that I would really like, so I love Carmex on my lips, you know, uh, things that, um, you know, I would need in my hospital bag, which I think moved away slightly from the from the standard NCT, where it's like, you know, it, they haven't quite kind of brought on the uh, list from 1975 or whatever. So um, I kind of did a massive haul of putting everything out on the... Um, uh, on the bed just so I can kind of make a good list of all I stuff I needed so yeah it worked really, pretty well I think it's really useful though when you when you put that kind of thing on Instagram because it mm. does it panics people but it also yeah. inspires people <laughs> panics Alison yeah. <laughs> but yeah no it did I had I had a lot of kind of messages just saying you know I could, you, you follow there's so many places aren't there to take what you need in terms of for the baby but actually the real stuff that my sister, having you know worked as a midwife for twenty odd years, she was like, "This is the stuff you're going to need." That must so, be so uh, useful having a sister as a midwife. It, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been, um, I think, with all of them, she was she was by my side with Elsie's birth, um, and just to have her on hand to kind of any niggles I've ever had, like you know, the first person I would go to is her. I would dread to think what her WhatsApp camera roll looks like because <laughs> she's had some dodgy photos from me. Um, What's this funny rash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the rest. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's been pretty amazing. Nicola, what were the uh, kind of essential things that you had in your hospital bag then when you when you eventually did pack it? So this is one thing that I researched so much. I watched YouTube videos. I... <laughs> We've got an extra special guest in the in the studio with us. We've got little Reggie here, haven't we? <laughs> Sorry about this. Yeah, we're doing some expert bum patting and shushing. Somebody's in the sling. Uh, yeah, so I read loads of leaflets. So my top tips, definitely a nipple balm if you plan on breastfeeding because that doubles up as a lip balm. Definitely get the one though that you can leave on your nipple. I took tea lights and fairy lights. So I made the room look really lovely and all the doctors would say, oh, it's so nice coming in here. So that helped me to, uh, me to feel calm. Definitely maternity pads and tenor lady as well. So I did a good tri- uh, tip of wearing tenor pants, then putting a pad in. And then when I went to the toilet, I'd remove the pad. This is after child birth then I just had the pants on so it was like a two-in-one because the hospital pads are not very nice because they're not sticky they go everywhere um, and then another organizer tip I did I put all the baby's clothes into freezer bags and I labeled them like newborn not to three months depending on how big the baby was going to be and I had my short sleeve vests and my sleep suits and that was a tip that I got from Mrs Meldrum so I'd seen that so I really like that and other than that black knickers hot water bottle my sister had to bring in because my baby was back to back even though I did everything to try and prevent it so I had back pain so definitely a hot water bottle and Lucasaid Sport oh, yes. I wasn't allowed to eat anything from my one slice of toast in the morning and I gave birth at 1.30 the following day but I was allowed sips of Lucasaid were why, you why, why couldn't you eat anything just in case it resulted oh, in surgery. But you are allowed so, to have Lucasaid in yeah, some are you? Okay. Yeah, so I was allowed sips of it. So I think I went through about two bottles. Yeah. Um, my husband feeding it through a straw. Right. So that's what got me through. Can I re-emphasise the uh, big black pants? <laughs> yeah. Oh, huge. All hail the big black pants. We're still wearing them, right? Please yeah. tell me. I'm, I'm still in mine. We're wearing them today. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Um, and yeah, the, uh, the tenor lady pants. Yeah, are really good. I never mm. went with the pants. I just went with massive pads. See, the pants are good. Um, and like, I, th- I really like Nicola's tip of uh, doubling up with the pads yeah. as well. And you know what? I think someone, I don't know whether you found this, because I think it's you underestimate that you think if you don't have a 
if you don't have a vaginal delivery that you wouldn't have mm. uh, any bleeding and you do yeah, and you I do. think a lot of women who haven't had a section first time around are really shocked by that yeah. because you still go through the you know your body's still had a baby inside it yeah, so it's you're not still expelling go, yeah, all the stuff yeah exactly but I remember first time around being really quite oh god is this normal yeah um, but yeah so big black pants for the win <laughs> did you ladies do any other preparation like uh, antenatal classes or uh, you mentioned hypnobirthing earlier Nicola or listening to any podcasts yeah so I was quite lucky at one of my local hospitals I went to a free hypnobirthing session run by Catherine Greaves and then I threw myself into listening to the positive birth company free YouTube videos and I downloaded the mp3 so every night I was listening to this mp3 I did uh, NCT I would say that I probably knew about 80% of the stuff however it was very practical and it meant that even though I'd read all the books my husband was finally um, understanding the fact that we were having a baby so definitely NCT and then the two books that I mentioned previously so yeah and I really found hypnobirthing useful because it gave me a focus um, and it gave me something to focus on I wasn't interested in the scripts that they tell you to read these scripts but I loved the deep breathing and the positive affirmation so they were really good for me yeah did you also find that going to on to classes like NCT are you, are you still in touch with people that you met there yeah yeah so I met three other really nice couples and we meet now once a month and it's really nice we've got a whatsapp group and it's just another level of support really I think somebody once said it's the most expensive way to buy friends <laughs> yes um, but you learn and you're gaining friends at the same time so yeah I really enjoyed it it's so important though isn't it to have friends who have babies at the same stage so within mm-hmm. the same kind of month or a few weeks um, it's also quite nice to find those people on social media as well yes. like, yeah. I, I think that's why I really like following you Lorna because, yeah. and you know following you now as well <laughs> but um, our babies are all similar ages yeah. and it's actually really nice to be able to be like oh look that baby's rolling over that baby's got a tooth yeah. and following that journey along with them yeah. the amazing thing is I've got uh, there's a girl who um, we've not even met but I've I, I still kind I still find it funny we've not met, but she kind of follows me on Instagram, and then we started chatting, and you just kind of get a vibe for someone, don't you? And I think, um, then she had her baby maybe a week or two after mine, and uh, I mean we've she's been such a massive massive support to me and I've never met her mm. and it sounds so funny my yeah. husband's like that is bizarre like you're old-fashioned pen pals or yeah, something yeah 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 <laughs> but you know we kind of voice note we've whatsapped we've, we've got a date in the diary but you know also our babies are still tiny so we've just not had and she doesn't live near here so um but oh my yeah the whatsapp groups have been they were the lifeline for me I think with Marnie as well not so much Elsie but WhatsApp, the kind of social media contacts that you have, like the DMs in the dead of the night. Whenever I put up a story of me, kind of, I usually use some like animated cow gif um, with some sort of form of like a song to go along with it. And everyone's like, I'm here too at three in the morning. (laughs) And that solidarity of like, you're not alone. You kind of, it can feel so lonely when you are feeding and you're tired and you're thinking I'm the only person here you know, because you feel like the only person awake at that time and then suddenly you get a little wave pop up and you get and you're like, oh my God, you're here too, thank goodness. I think that gives you like a new lease of life. So I actually feel sorry for my 
mum who obviously didn't have that and she was almost like alone in a room but if you've got your phone you've got access to all these other women who were up feeding as well and yeah yeah, yeah. it's really nice and the daily mail showbiz yeah. <laughs> and Lorna did you find that when you were pregnant that there was a difference through your three pregnancies with the classes that you attended and yeah you know the first time round, were you kind of keen bean yeah. going along to everything and I think when I think about it now if you actually wrote down kind of the the sort of how it's all panned out like first time round NCT which I was so excited about and I was so like I'm fairly social I kind of you know, I, I was thinking, oh, God, we're all going to go on the like holiday to the Cotswolds like <laughs> after this and we're going to hire a big house. And, I love that that's your yeah, vision. I it literally like, was. Me and my NCT friends in the Cotswolds. <laughs> it, it was because I think also I remember just hearing that's like what my brother and my sister-in-law did. And, you know, of course that's going to happen for us. And then uh, so when it didn't, it was a massive disappointment. But um, <laughs> and, you know, again, I did baby massage and did all these things. Then with Marnie, I did... I did this, like, I think I did Match Up Mums, which was, like, this sort of, I guess it was, like, the initial start to what is now Peanut, you know, Mm. where it's basically, like, Tinder for mums. Um, And there's Mums for Two groups, so I joined that. But then um, Marnie just sort of came to Westfield with me in the end. That was, like, my antenatal classes with her, just on my own. And then this time round, nothing. Reggie just hangs out with me at home, and I've been working since 12 weeks, which is, it's just, like fine and it works for us and you know it doesn't mean to say that I wouldn't like go along to something with another mum friend but I've not needed to um I've sort of found support in different areas I guess and how um, how did you find being pregnant sorry for the incessant tapping I'm tapping Reggie's bum (laughs) and keep him asleep (laughs) how did you find uh being pregnant and having two small children to uh, look after was that kind of knackering yeah, yeah, and it was, and I think it's that dividing dividing the love, isn't it, between the two of them trying to look after yourself, and um, that that's what I always struggled with, even going from one to two, thinking one of them was being left out, um, and I think more than anything now, it, it still always comes down to the fact that, you know, one wants something from me all the time and I don't feel like I'm giving as best. But what they, what I've really kind of come to terms with is they don't need that much time. I'm sure you find the same. It's like, you know, all Elsie would be quite happy with is just to come and have like an apple juice and a cake with me for an hour. That's that's her sorted for the week. Yeah. You know, not in terms of like her needing a bath and all the other things, but for just time with me or Marnie to just me sit and read a book to her. You know, Reggie, and I think... For more, it would be like, oh, I need to have a day out with them. I need Mm. to invest all this time. We need to go swimming. And actually, they don't need it from you. They just need like a short, like bit of your attention that's focused on them. And then they're they're kind of up and running for the day. So, did you find it? it, Did it contrast though with you know with your first pregnancy where you felt that you had all the time in the world? Oh yeah, totally. And I think that's where I kind of even now when I feel guilty if I'm. Being like, girls, I'm feeding Reggie, please, can you just, you know, and I'm, there's a lot of pushing away and says, guys, can you, you know, stop, stop, stop. And actually I think, well, Elsie had so much of my time and so much kind of one-on-one of me. And then Marnie was very much kind of left on the play mat while I was still looking after Elsie, but then I had a proper maternity leave with Marnie, so we had loads of time. And Elsie was at nursery for a bit. So, yeah, there is kind of, it's been a weird transition, but uh, I think we're getting there slowly. Yeah. So now, you know, you've both got babies here. 
healthy. We can hear Reggie yeah. snuffling away. <laughs> um, are there any kind of products that you can't live without? Are there any? Is there anything that you're just, you know, my day would not be going well if I did not have this thing here? I mean, you've got Reggie in a sling right now. The sling, for me, do you know what? I never really, I think, you know, people say they wore their babies mm. and I never really wore LC that much. I think I tried too hard probably to like not be wearing I don't know why um this has been a lifeline for me because I had like a kind of newborn in fact you were wearing it when we last yeah. met um Nicola had the uh, baby Bjorn like newborn carrier so it's like jersey material and it's just it was just amazing I mean I couldn't wear it straight away because I'd had a section but um you know once I was up and about um it meant that I could get the girls breakfast I could um, you know, do the school run. I could have my hands free. So I have to say, third time round, um, the the carrier. So that one yeah. that you've got, the baby Bjorn one, is can, can you can you put the minute quite small? It's a minute. It says from seven and a half pounds. I waited until Henry was two weeks old, about eight pounds, and then yeah, exactly like Lorna said, it's a game changer. I think the main thing for me was having places what to put your baby. Mm. So I've got um, a cocoon baby, which I put at the end of my shower. I've got a swing that I just put him in, a play mat that I put him on. So it's having places to put your baby, which you don't really think about. Um, so definitely carrier, places to put your baby. And then for me, regarding nappies, a nappy bin just because then it stops all the smells and a nappy caddy at the end of my bed because the first What's few a caddy so just like a a big like felt box thing that everything goes into like your wipes your oh, bags see, 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 yeah, so yeah. you can it's at the end of my bed because the first few nights I was getting up out of the room waking myself up changing a nappy and I was like what am I doing so now I'd go to bed you know say at 9pm I wouldn't get out of bed until 9am because I could do everything on the bed yeah so yeah, definitely nappy caddy it's funny though because um this is, you know, us having twins, this is our second time round. But I think that that only occurred to us about a month ago. We were getting up and changing nappies and going to a different room to do it in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was about a month ago that I said, why don't we bring some nappies and wipes? <laughs> yeah. And have them in the bedroom yeah. and change the babies on the bed. It's and it a was game like, changer. It really was a game changer, but it yeah. was like, why haven't we been doing this sooner? <laughs> yeah, I think it was my sister who told me to do that. So I did it from kind of... De- and because, it, again, like, because of the section, I couldn't really move much. So mm. I kind of had, yeah, you you set yourself up for the night, don't you? Yeah. I was fine. I don't know if you've got this at the moment. It's like when my bedside table would return to normal because yes. it's just like covered in like paraphernalia, like touch lamp, a touch lamp. That's what I'd say. Mm. Like for, for bottle or breastfeeding in the night to have, um, I got a touch lamp from Amazon and it was just, you know, it kind of has a few settings so it's not too bright. Because um, I don't know about you guys, but I do everything with like one eye shut. Because you're kind of yeah. like not quite awake, not quite, you know. And, um, yeah, it just does the perfect lighting for a nappy change and everything else. Mm. So definitely those. What I will say, is though, is that the nappy changes at night do get less frequent. So now I actually don't change Henry. Oh, no. However, we've got the nappy caddy there for the evening routine and that morning change. Yeah. Um, the nappy is quite bulbous. but it's fine. Yeah. It says on the packet up, yeah. up, up to 12 hours. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good, Nicola. Yeah. <laughs> but unless there's a poo, yes. we don't change now. I think no, that's a pretty same. good rule. But when the, when our babies were smaller, we were like, Do you remember every, how every three or four hours, yeah. you've got to keep changing the nappy. But now it's like, nah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Reggie's lucky if he gets a wipe sometimes. <laughs> I, think, I think you maybe just reach a level of tiredness that you just don't have the energy. So 
Feeding or nappy changing, we'll go with the feeding for now. Yes, definitely. It's funny though, because um, there are things that I think I couldn't do without that are really random things like we have got, and this makes us sound like well posh, but we're really not, um, things like voice activated lights. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and um, and it means we can walk into a room or walk mm. out of a room and use our voice. And also I can um, ask for like Netflix um, to come on the TV. Wow. Um, That's amazing. And uh, music to come on mm. with my voice. And it just means if I'm walking in carrying two babies, that's not yeah, forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to be wow. kind of getting, you know, the light switch yeah. and the remote control yeah. and faffing around. Alexa's actually... been quite good, actually, in terms of that. Because I've been, he's been in the sling and I'm like, Alexa, play white noise for babies. <laughs> and then just blast through the speaker. And then, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't think to do that because I've been during nappy change, like trying to get my YouTube on and playing Hello to the Sun. Actually, I could have just asked Siri. So I've learned something new now. It's all about the voice activation. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Well, ladies, on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. It has been so, so brilliant. That's all we've got time for in this episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Nappy Natters podcast. We'll be back with another episode, which will again be available on iTunes and Acast. So make sure you subscribe, rate and leave a review. Until next time.